Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 218. By a raven, it is the body of a fallen father whose bones are mountains, whose eyes are lakes. This is a land of dreams and fire, said the flame. The buffalo man put the brand back into the fire. Why are you telling me this stuff, said Shadow. I'm not important. I'm not anything. I was an okay physical trainer, a really lousy small-time crook, and maybe not so good a husband as I thought I was. He trailed off. How do I help Laura? Shadow asked the buffalo man. She wants to be alive again. I said I'd help her. I owe her that. The buffalo man said nothing. He pointed up with his soot-blackened palm facing Shadow, his index finger pointing toward the roof of the cave. Shadow's eyes followed. There was a thin, wintry light coming from a tiny opening far above. Up there, asked Shadow, wishing that one of his questions would be answered. I'm supposed to go up there? The dream took him then, the idea becoming the thing itself, and Shadow was crushed into the rock and earth. He was like a mole trying to push through the earth, like a badger climbing through the earth, like a groundhog pushing the earth out of his way, like a bear, but the earth was too hard, too dense, and his breath was coming in gasps, and soon he could go no further, dig and climb no more, and he knew then that he would die somewhere in the deep place beneath the world. His own strength was not enough. His efforts became weaker. He knew that his body was riding in a hot bus through cold woods. If he stopped breathing here, beneath the world, he would stop breathing there as well, that even now his breath was coming in shallow, panting gasps. He struggled and he pushed, ever more weakly, each movement using precious air. He was trapped, could go no further, and could not return the way that he had come. Now bargain, said a voice in his mind. It might have been his own voice. He could not tell. What do I have to bargain with? Shadow asked. I have nothing. He could taste the clay now, thick and mud-gritty in his mouth. He could taste the sharp mineral tang of the rocks that surrounded him. And that's our page. I struggled and failed to find the Native American myth where a raven shits and creates the earth. However... There's a connection back to Sandman here. In issue 67, the 11th issue of The Kindly Ones, Cain states that after God flooded the world in the story told in Genesis, Noah sent out a raven and a dove. The raven found no land at all, so he shat the land and pissed the fresh water, and that's what the dove went on to find. At this point, I remembered that there is a annotations website for Sandman, which has been in operation for, I think, 20, 25 years, maybe even longer. At this point, though, it was last updated in 2007, which points to a raven god named Kukth of the Chukchi people who lived on the shores of the Bering Sea. There are a number of versions of this creation myth, but one of these, and I must quote Wikipedia, who are much more delicate than I, quote, islands and continents are created by his defecation, rivers and lakes out of his waters. The article also notes that stories of Cooked are similar to raven tales told by indigenous folk in the Pacific Northwest, which could suggest that the Chukchi people are featured in a Coming to America tale that we'll see in another 150 or so pages, but I guess we can discuss that at a greater length then. The second myth mentioned at the top of the page is definitely Norse mythology, so I guess what I said yesterday that they were all Native American was not correct. After Ymir gave birth to Odin and his brothers, Vili and Ve, they slew Ymir, and the world was created from his remains. The oceans were from his blood, the soil from his skin, the clouds came from his brains, and the mountains were his bones. If I didn't mention it when we talked about Emerson Borson, Ymir's eyebrows became Midgard, where humanity currently resides, though 
Some days it certainly seems more like the taint. Shadow acknowledges his everyman status here, though I'm not completely certain if this is a TV trope-style acknowledgement or not. We may have discussed it before, but he's a pretty basic character at times. His name is Shadow, though, and I think that's an intentional detail. Neil often deals in tropes with his characters. You can see more examples of this in Stardust and, well, a lot of places. And Shadow's another of these. I know I've read some reviews and talked to some friends who think it makes him less relatable, which I sort of understand, but I've never had anything but love for him. In this moment, however, Shadow acknowledges his shortcomings as he starts thinking less selfishly. Before Laura came back from the dead, Shadow is definitely in a woe-is-me sort of mood, but I think as he's begun to emerge from his depression in the House of the Dead, he's becoming more considerate of helping Laura rather than just treating it as an impossible situation which I guess is a side effect of his belief in the gods as it has developed. And an important line on the page, the idea of becoming the thing itself is something we've discussed before and something I've mentioned as worth paying attention to as we progress. And I have to wonder, is Shadow really transforming into these various creatures in his dream? A mole, a badger, a groundhog, and a bear. I first thought maybe it was a upwards expansion in size, but a badger and groundhog are about the same size, so I guess it's not that. But I think within the dream, Shadow is truly transforming from creature to creature in a desperate attempt to escape. This, of course, is pretty on those metaphor for Shadow's place in this war between the gods. He can't go back to prison, yet he can't advance further in his life while he's still tethered to Wednesday's wagon. He acknowledged this frustration the last time he met the Buffalo Man, but now it's likely literally killing him, at least within the confines of the dream. He's instructed to bargain, and it's noted that the voice could be his own, which is an interesting reflection of the battle he's having with himself. Certainly there was a time where he wanted to just go off somewhere and die, but now he has a purpose beyond doing whatever the fuck Wednesday tells him to do. He needs to help Laura, but he thinks he has nothing with which to bargain. But that's the discussion for tomorrow's page as we get to the end of another dream sequence. I just can't believe I forgot how many way out there dream sequences there were in the novel. Also, I didn't make a note of it because I don't know. But the fire says that America is a land of dreams and fire, not a land of gods. So I'm not sure what that means in relation to anything. But anytime dreams are mentioned outside of it actually being a dream, it's probably worth noting. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for the use of his version of St. James Infirmary Blues as the show's theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page. And remember, only the gods are real. <laughs>